All right. Hey, I have a question. What's the difference between confidence and arrogance, right? How do these things relate to self-esteem? And how do you know where you're actually residing? Because, I don't know, is there a fine line between them or is there something else? We're going to talk about that and more during this episode of Kuden. So I'll see you when we get started. So the big question is this. How are self-defense and success-minded people like us, concerned citizens worried about protecting ourselves, our loved ones, and the things we care about from the monsters we know exist in the world? How do we train in a way that gives us the skills, knowledge, and understanding we need without becoming paranoid fighters or killers ourselves, and yet still allows us to be the hero protector the world needs us to be? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Jeffrey Miller, and welcome to Kuden Radio, real training for real people in a real world. All right, here we are, episode 164, Kuden Radio, the podcast for, who are you? Oh, yes, I know, martial artists, self-defense practitioners, and people that just want to be at the top of our game, right, um, as we make the promise at Warrior Concepts, right, we're passing on those lessons necessary or that will be really, really helpful in creating the life we've always dreamed of living, and again, making sure that everybody has the skills necessary to protect that life from anybody or anything, right, uh, that might threaten it, right? So anyway, again, here we are, James in the wings, so uh, uh, so we're just going to get started, right? So this episode, right, if you uh, read the little things that we passed out and all that kind of stuff, right, this is based on uh, a topic suggestion, um, I don't know that it was a question, more of a topic suggestion uh, from one of our listeners, Brian Andrews. And so thank you, Brian. I appreciate it. Uh, I don't know, an episode or three ago. Right. I, I'm, we're always open to topic suggestions. So uh, this is a good one. This was a good one. Right. So uh, confidence is one of those things that um, it's a benefit that uh, martial arts training uh, has always uh, helped people develop. But at the same time, Right. Um, we've all experienced or run into those people who mm, gone way beyond confidence to arrogance. Right. And so uh, what I want to explore during this episode is um, knowing the difference between the two. Right. What's confidence? Right. What's arrogance? When can confidence be confused with arrogance? Right. Um, when does uh, other people's opinion um when should it cause us to stop and pause and maybe do some self-reflection and when is it not maybe something we should be looking at okay um and how does the whole idea of self-esteem uh play into the into everything right so let's do this i see we have uh, uh folks that have signed on and whatnot so um, James, um, any any uh, comments or anything that we need to address before we get started here? Because, again, those of you who are uh, signing in through the streaming, right, so you're either on YouTube or you're on Facebook, one of the properties we have over there. Uh, you might be on Twitter. You might be on, where else am I? LinkedIn, right? So, um, uh, you know, you're always uh, free to, like, toss in some comments or ask questions or just say hey. Right. Uh, for those of you who are uh, listening in on the recorded versions right over on the podcast services like Stitcher or 
uh, Google, what is it? Google play maybe. Uh, and then Apple podcast and I don't know, a couple of hundreds of friggin' uh, podcast directories that we're on. Um, you can always uh, send some things into us uh, via the email uh, address that we'll give you toward the end. Right. Um, or if, if you're on the podcast services, the contact information should be there. Is that right, James? Should be there, right? So, cool. So, who do we have? Who's on? Who's already saying, hey, um, who thinks this is a, a topic worth uh, listening to? Or who signed in because this, this piqued their attention or piqued their interest? Oh. <clears throat> Jimmy says, Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa. And- Chris or Ohio Gazimas. I don't know. If everybody's in the Eastern Time Zone, then it's Kombawa, right? Uh, anyway, who who's on? Chris. Chris from YouTube under SOG Recovery. Oh, okay. Hey, Chris. Not our Chris. No. Not I mean, Chris, you can be our Chris if you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, one of our guys, uh, Chris McLaren. Um, couple of weeks ago underwent uh, kidney transplant uh, uh, surgery and procedures and all that kind of stuff. And he's recovering. He had a, had a little crash with his sugar today. So um, got to make sure he's uh, doing well because we don't want to ruin the new one, right? Well, I'm not going to ruin it unless you come to class and attack me with something, in which case, good target. <laughs> Wouldn't do that to my friend. Unless he was trying to kill me, in which case, I don't know, friendship might be in question at that point. Anyway, who else do we have? Uh, they're the only ones that said uh, hi or anything. Chris okay. said excellent topic. Looking forward to this session. Cool. Cool. Me too. wonder what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right, so let's just dive into it, and uh, we'll check back in as we move along. All right, so uh, it would be helpful during this uh, episode, this is going to be a, a, a kind of a learning thing as well. Not that they're not all learning in some fashion, but um, this is going to be a little bit more interactive. So it would be helpful if you had a piece of paper and a pen, pencil, marker, crayon, uh, pen to stick your finger so you can write in blood, whatever. Okay. Um, but we want to take a look at uh, how these things are related, uh, and that's going to be important. Okay, so uh, on the mandala, for those of you who kind of follow the, the Mikyo lessons and, and those kind of things, if you're actually involved in the Nijutsu training, um, confidence comes from the uh, southern realm on the Kongokai mandala and is related to what we would call the earth realm, right? So confidence, uh, you know, is one of the one of the traits of the uh, enlightened leader. But arrogance is also over there, okay? Um, But then so is dictatorship and whatnot, right? So anyway, um, so I I thought this was a really good topic when when Brian sent the topic uh, suggestion in. I actually rearranged the schedule uh, for uh, Kuden topics because I thought this was something that everybody could use, right? And not just because of those topics, but because of something that is actually on the same spectrum and 
can get in the way of success and uh, the attainment of our goals, especially if we work in uh, in teams, right? Or uh, who knows, we're, you know, associating with family or friends or whatever, right? So um, it can be just as damaging as this thing called arrogance, right? But we also want to take a look at how um, confidence can appear as arrogance, right? We're going to talk about, obviously, how uh, people who are trying to present an air of confidence um, can come across the wrong way, right? But again, uh, how all these things are connected, right? So it would be helpful if, uh, again, you had this thing. If not, you can just visualize it. It's, it's all right, right? But if you could, on a piece of paper, just make a horizontal line, right? If you have line paper, just draw, just draw one across, right? It doesn't matter how, how long you make it, right? I just want to look at three important points on uh, the spectrum because confidence and arrogance are on the same spectrum, right? They're on the same, uh, we would call it a scale, right? So, uh, just have your, have your line, right? And then at each of the opposite ends, right? Left and right, just put a, a small vertical bar. It doesn't have to be very, very big, right? Um, just make end caps, so to speak. So you have basically like an I-beam, right? Running horizontally across your page. Okay. And then at the far right, right? At that little goalpost, at that little upright, right? Um, put the word arrogance. Okay. Now, um, just just as with several other concepts, right, like love and hate and whatnot, right, um, the assumption can be that we're going to put confidence at the other end, but we're not. Okay, it's just like love and hate, right? You can put um, uh, love and hate and you know whatnot. People see them as opposites. Um, and I could see how that could be or how, how that would be. But with, with with those kind of emotions, right, there's still attention given to the object of that emotional energy, right? So, okay, the opposite of both love and hate, right, is apathy, right? They don't give a shit about you. Okay. Or they don't give, give, there's no care or concern about the thing. Right. So when we're coming at this from more than a childish, immature, dualistic thinking kind of perspective, right? We have to understand there's a lot more going on. Okay. So at the opposite extreme from arrogance, right? At the far left side of your, I guess I should be drawing a line that way, right? Pointing in that direction because it's opposite um, as I'm looking at you, right? At that upright, right? The far left upright, right? Write the term or the phrase self-deprecation. Okay. You know what that means? We're going to speak down to or in uh, relationship to ourselves. Okay. Both of these things obviously get in the way of success. Okay. Because 
one uh, person or one personality type, attitude, whatever, right, um, tends to try to come across as perfect and uh, has an elitist mindset and tends to think or outwardly just flat out if they're that arrogant, right, um, talk down to and about other people in relationship to themselves. Okay. Obviously that's the guy on the, sorry, the guy on the right hand side, right? The guy on the left hand side, um, he or she, right, is underplaying their successes, their achievements, their self-worth, those kind of things, right? That's really the opposite. Okay. So, uh, we have to be just as careful there, right? Because confidence, which is in the middle, right? So make another upright in the middle and put confidence there, okay? Because there is some balance that needs to go on, right? Um, and again, we have to be, we have to be careful. And I'll talk about confidence here in a bit. But that really is kind of a, and it's not a tightrope kind of thing. It's not like, it, what's a good example? Hmm. It's not like weak parents that won't discipline or punish their children because they believe that, well, you know, there's a fine line between punishing your children and abuse. And you got to be careful that you don't step on the other side of the line. This is not just my opinion, right? I've heard uh, district magistrates and judges and, and all kinds of people um, flat out look at parents who won't do the tough things, right, to discipline and uh, raise and whatever, right, their children. Um, we all say the same thing. There's not a fine line. There's a freaking chasm, right? And the intention behind the action, the motivation behind the action or the punishment or the lesson or whatever you want to call it, right, uh, makes all the difference, okay? So, and this is what happens when it comes to confidence and arrogance, right? For both the self-deprecator, sorry, the self-deprecator and the arrogant person, right, there's a sense of self-centeredness, but the way it's expressed is different, but the damage still happens, right? So for the arrogant person, right, um, arrogance is the, the need to put oneself above others, not just in the mind, but also in the way the words and the actions get expressed to treat other people, right? There's this sense of loftiness. Um, again, I'll talk about the self-esteem part here, uh, shortly, but um, it, it's it's tied to a sense of, while there's there's self-esteem going on, right? There's, there's a high sense of self-esteem. It gets a little overflated or conflated and, and, and exaggerated, okay? So if we went back to the mandala, right, with that earth realm for the leader and confidence, right, arrogance is and overdoing it in the earth realm, right? It is an absolute need to be the guy or girl in charge, 
right? And there tends to be uh, a concern or a uh, almost a fear in expressing or letting or accepting feedback, right, about our shortcomings. Okay. Uh, my wife just came home. Let me just close the door here. Make sure the dog is out of my office. All right. Home office, dojo office, right? Uh, all right. So, um, but again, it's, it's wrapped around, right? Not, not wanting the, the flaws to show. Right. There's a need to uh, present oneself in a very perfectionist kind of way. Right. There's almost a there's almost a narcissism going on with it. Right. Where, um, you know, if someone were to point out that, you know, you're kind of weak in this area or you might need to work on this or uh, the way you explain things is a little, you know, put offish for people. Um the, that that personality type tends to get really really defensive, okay, um, and they might even attack more, right? But there tends to be this loftiness, right? That I know things you don't know. I'm better than you. And while they may not express those exact words, that's how it comes across, okay? Now, let me just say that there are two, at least two, but there are two very specific personality types that I've encountered. And uh, my peers and other people uh, that I I know that are very, very confident, right? Um, there are two personality types that will almost always see confidence as arrogance. So, again, how do we know, right? Brian brought this up in the, in the thing, right? How do we own our self-value, right, our self-worth without being full of it? Right. Without being full of ourselves. OK. And again, there are these checks and balances. So we do. There, there are things that we can do to make sure that that we're clear about those. But arrogance is like bullying. OK. It, it doesn't mean that they're bullying, but they could be. Right. Um, bullying is the use of force or the threat of force to get what one wants, regardless of what happens or what the. Uh, the victim, the, the target of the bullying gets. It, it doesn't matter. What matters is that the bully gets what they want. Okay. No matter what. Okay. Um, but if I'm on a team and I've got a team member who's not pulling their weight and I call them on it and I've already addressed things in a nice way, in a politically correct way, whatever. And I finally go, look, dude, you passed up two freaking deadlines. We can't get our shit done until you get your shit done. So either like step up or step out. Right. If I'm called on bullying on that, then no, that's not bullying because I already expressed that it's not about me getting everything that I want. The team is dependent on you pulling your weight. So while in today's cultural environment, any stern or direct or um, aggressive actions or words tend to get misconstrued as, well, that you're being mean, you're being, well, you know, we need to grow up, 
right? So, um, and there's that, right? So anyway, the arrogant side tends to be very, very self-involved, right? And um, while it's perfectly okay to own one's achievements, I'll talk about that more in a minute, right? This person tends to really like lead with those things, right? To the point where it comes across as um, just being a braggart and, uh, you know, just, I don't know, just flag waving and bell ringing kind of stuff, right? And again, highlighting one's achievements is not necessarily a bad thing. As a matter of fact, right, if we're, if we're on the path for success and those kind of things, you have to lead with those, right? It's credibility. It's, it builds credibility. It lets other people who don't know you yet, right, know what you have achieved, um, why, why you're valuable, how you can help, those kind of things, right? But these, these people, it's, it's very, uh, it, it's, you, ha- you hear it all the time, right? All the time. Okay. What you don't hear are the flaws. What you don't hear is, um, you know, these are the things I'm working on, right? Um, arrogant people, one of their traits is they have a really difficult time asking for help. Because if I ask for help, see, that pierces the, the veil of perfection, right? Because there's something that I don't know, or um, it pierces the veil of um, not just supremacy, but um, uber self-sufficiency. Like, I don't need anybody, right? I, I know everything, or I know everything I need to know, or whatever, okay? That can, that can also box somebody in, right? Because, well, if I'm self-sufficient, then I already have everything I need, right? Again, for those of you that are on the path, um, studying, uh, Mikyo, right? Um, in the six realms of existence, uh, the human realm being one of them, right? Um, this is the God realm, right? There, there's no need to attain enlightenment because they already have everything, right? There's no need for, anything right they already know you can't express anything to them where they don't say they already know there's you know you can't express any kind of concerns or fears that you know this bad thing might happen if we don't um, if we don't address it if we don't watch for it or whatever it's not going to happen to me right if you've ever uh talked to or mentioned martial arts or self-defense to somebody that you know right uh and heard that's never going to happen to me. Right. Um, we, James and I get to see this all the time with comments on the videos that I post. Right. Um, uh, I just posted another video that was a risk grab escape. Right. And like the first person that, that commented, James, do you remember what they said? Right. Yeah. What'd they say? <laughs> Body let go of your wrist. No, no, not that guy. The guy that posted, yeah, no, the guy that posted, nobody grabs a wrist in a fight. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, nobody's ever grabbed your wrist in a fight, which means that you're less likely to be watching or worried about that or prepared for it, right? I wouldn't teach these things if this wasn't in my wheelhouse, not just with skills that I learned, but shit that's happened, right? So um, I'm not going to teach, you know, 
something that isn't isn't likely. And in that same video, I pointed out, like the very first thing I pointed out was why this guy might reach out and get a hold of my hand, right? So he's already set up to, to duke it out, and he's moving in, and I need to maintain distance, right? And because I don't think I can back up far enough, um, one of the things that I might do is reach out and start knuckle busting, right? Just start hitting on uh, the bones of the hand, right? With now I'm causing a pain re response, and he's going to want to stay out of that range. But because he has an imperative need to get a hold of me, or not to get a hold of me, but to slam me, right? What he might do, and again, these are options. These are potentials, right? Different fighters are going to operate differently. Guys who have always trained to fighting gloves, tend to not grab because you can't grab well with gloves, right? Guys who train with gloves tend to not hit the hands and the bones of the hands of the fingers because that doesn't work with gloves on, right? So, but in an, in a, an imperative need to get his, his attack rolling, he might reach out and grab my wrist as an in an attempt to get me to stop freaking hitting him. And now he can lock me down and get that, get that move in. It doesn't matter that I point those things out or even lead with them, right? The arrogant personality who thinks they know everything and who thinks that fights always happen the way they believe they happen or attack. Do you get it, right? This person, they lead with their assumptions, right? They're so arrogant in their beliefs that nothing else is possible, right? And they will force their belief system down your throat. There's no room for anything else. Uh, for those going through the 37 fundamentals course, we just talked about some of these things where, um, you know, th this, this mindset, right. Um, leaves no room for any other logic because, right. Whether they, and, and they're always the first ones to say, I, I don't think I know everything, right? Because they need to always <laughs> put you in your place, right? Um, you know, what, what's that? I saw a coffee mug not too, uh, not too long ago that had this, um, uh, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just explaining all the way, all the reasons you're wrong kind of thing, right? It's just, it, it's that kind of thing, right? There's just always this plausible deniability. Right. Kind of thing. And narcissists are big on that. Right. Um, they need to express things in a way where they dominate you um, unless they can use you. Right. If they can use you um, for their own self gain, then they will put you on a pedestal. But God help you if you waver. Right. Because you will not fall and have a chance to get up because you go from on the pedestal to under the pedestal. So if you ever find yourself in a relationship with a narcissist, um, run. OK, don't walk. Run. Um, even in the psych manuals, right? There is a zero to five percent, zero to five percent chance of recovery for a narcissist, right? Um, because they will, they, they will manipulate the, the counselor. They'll manipulate the, the psychologist or life coach, whatever, right? Um, they're, they're always spinning things, right? If they can't use you, then you're not, you're, you're always beneath them, okay? Um, but anyway, so enough about the the arrogant guy, right? Let's let's talk about the opposite extreme. Let's talk about the self self deprecator. Okay, um, so the arrogant person may have high self esteem, or 
they may have adopted out of a narcissistic uh, personality kind of thing, because often um, narcissists are, are believed to be like high self-esteem, high confident, that kind of thing. And so they're just dominating everything. But often narcissists actually have a really low sense of self-esteem. And so what they do is they build up this facade and lead with that very much like, um, you know, riot police just pushing their way through um, to dominate the situation. So they can get there first, then, you know, it's it's going to serve them because they can they, they, they hold the high ground, so to speak. Right. And they hold the definition of what's acceptable. Right. So you either live up to that or you don't. OK, so anyway, but at the other extreme, we have the self-deprecator. Right who in now part of this could be because of low self-esteem. Okay. So they don't, and self-esteem, what, what is self-esteem, right? What is esteem value? Okay. So self-esteem is self-value recognizing one's value, right? So if there is low self-esteem, that person has a hard time recognizing any of their achievements, right? They're always going to be downplaying them because they don't see themselves as worthy, right? That could have been from luck. It could have been from anything. It, you know, it could have been because they just gave it to me, whatever, right? But they're so focused on all the problems that they have and all of their flaws that they can't own their uh, their successes. Okay. So it's easy to see how this person sabotages their success. It's harder to see how the arrogant person sacrifices their success. Okay. Or, or, uh, gets in their own way. Um, and they often do have a high degree of success. Okay. But the alienation that they create often causes like a sticking point or a ceiling that they're going to hit and they can't go beyond it either because they won't ask for help. They won't get help because people are jumping ship on a regular basis or the help they're getting is enough for the person to stay in their realm and not get fired. But there's a sense of fear among the helpers that if they go beyond what's acceptable, they'll be fired or they'll look like they're trying to, you know, showboat the, the, the narcissist or whatever. So um, they're, they're, they're going to be put in their place, right? The arrogant person uh, is because there, there's always this defensiveness thing going on, but so is the self-deprecator, right? There's this defensiveness because, um, you know, there's a sense of not being worthy. That's one type. There's another type, right, that operates out of a sense of fear. Okay. And that fear, because of cultural conditioning, familial conditioning, whatever, there's a fear of appearing arrogant, cocky, those kind of things. Right. Does that make sense? James, that makes sense. Okay. So because there's a fear of it, every time an achievement 
is recognized or somebody points something out or, hey, you're really good at that or whatever, they will neutralize that with a self-deprecating statement or they'll they hide behind humility and those kind of things. Does that make sense? Okay. So they run the risk of not being accepted onto a team or being allowed to stay on a team because now they're neutralizing everybody else's recognition of their value. Do you get it? So the first person is neutralizing their own. They can't see their own successes enough to move forward or they won't recognize their own achievements. In the second case, that person is sabotaging and sabotaging other people's perception of their value. And why would we keep you around on a team? Right. And, you know, there, there's a little, there's a little twist in that, in that kind of thing as well, because there's another type of person on the, on the, on the wheel of life, on the six realms, um, we have what we, what we call the hungry ghost or the hungry spirits. And while a lot of these names sound like they're, you know, these otherworldly beings like the God realm and the jealous God realm and you know, whatever, right? Um, the hungry ghost or the hungry spirits, uh, this is a personality type. It was an attempt way back in the day to help identify some of the psychology, right? So the hungry spirits or the hungry ghost are these beings in the world, these people, right? Personality types that want things but can't get it of their own accord because for whatever reason, I'm not smart enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not whatever, right? So unless somebody else gives it to them, they can't get it for themselves. On the mandala that we use, right, this is actually in the fire realm, right? So one of the tactics that these people use to get things is they will say the right things. They will dress a certain way. They will, um, they'll even, I've got a family member who does this, right? They will lament about all the reasons why they can't so that other people step up and give them what they need. This person in my family has gotten people to buy them vacations. Now that's skill, right? Um, even though they make plenty of money and could do it for themselves, they've gotten really good at ascending the ladder, right? But also at the cost of alienating other people who eventually just stop, right? And so it may not be vacations that the person's fishing for. It may not be uh, a job promotion. It may not be, you know, Please let me stay on the team. It may not be those kind of things. It might be just self-validation, right? They'll use self-deprecation, right? They'll talk down on themselves as a tactic to get other people to say, no, 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 you, that's not you, right? You're this, you're this, you're pretty, you're smart, you're whatever it is, right? To get the validation. Does that make sense? Okay. So, but either way, right, both of these ends, they're, they're, opposite ends of the same spectrum okay so how does that relate to confidence well actually before we get there right um james any 
questions or comments or anything that's come up about any of these things? A comment did come in from Mr. Eric White. Eric White? Yes, the original. The original (laughs) co-host. What's up, Eric? He said, I think that confidence... He's the drag racing god now. That's that's my new name for him. That's right. right? He's the speed god. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I think that confidence and self-esteem are ever-changing. You don't achieve an amount of it, and it stays there. It can rise and fall constantly. Cultivating the tools to protect and build both are key, I believe. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so... um, Yeah. I'd agree with that. But how does it relate? Because, again, there's this spectrum kind of thing, right? Um, And believe it or not, the confident person has both of those things going on, just not to the extreme, right? Um, So we should probably talk about the confident person, right? So the confident person, um, one of the things I do uh, with with the kids at the school at the academy is try to place these things in a context that um, kind of makes it easy to understand. Now it's not easy to work with, right? Because there's a sense of mindfulness that has to go on where the self-deprecator and the arrogant person, the mindfulness is stuck on a belief right? The self-deprecator, the belief is I'm not good enough. Okay. I need self-validation. I, whatever, or whatever it is that I need for that next step, I don't have. Right. So there could be belief in baby magic and blowing out the candles or whatever. Right. The arrogant person has this belief that they're better than everybody else. Right. Or they are deserving of simply because of their existence. Right. And so they may their their achievements may be pretty small, but they will they will just constantly lead with those things. Right. Because the achievements are ego's way of self-validation. Okay, so I did these things, therefore. Right. I earned this degree, therefore. Right. Um, and achievements are not a problem. Right. Achievements should be uh, strove for, striven for, whatever. Right. We should always be, you know, trying to, um, you know, do good in the world. Right. Um, if we don't, who will? OK. And I know. Didn't, doesn't that sound arrogant? Right. Um, but. Who will? Right. If I'm not the protector in the room, who else might be there to protect these this group of people? Um, but at the same time, if we develop skills and awareness and those kind of things, we should be able to spot other people in the room who can handle themselves. We should be able to spot other protectors. Right. We recognize our own. To the arrogant person, though. That sets up roadblocks because they need to be the top guy. They, even though there are other protectors in the room, there's always a reason why they're better. 
Okay. Um, protectors don't have a problem having other people on board because that's, it's not less that they have to do like laziness. It's they don't have to have their eyes in the back of their head. Right. And so I can trust that. Right. He's got that corner. She's got that corner, whatever. Right. So they don't have a problem working on a team. Right. They don't have a problem taking a place on a team. Right. If they're in the leadership position, there's a way that they handle leadership as well. Okay. Um, so either way, right? So what we want to do is we want to see confidence as a balance between these two. And what I mean by that is here's what, here's the way I, I just, I describe it to kids at the, at the, at the dojo. Confidence is knowing what you know and knowing what you don't know and being okay with that. That doesn't mean that you're not going to strive to be better at the things you don't know or learn those things, or you're not going to try to be better at the things you already know as well, right? You're comfortable in your own skin, right? Your flaws don't define you, and your achievements don't define you, okay? Your achievements have given you experience in certain realms and back up the knowledge that you have, right? Your flaws tell you where you need work or where you need help. But neither one makes you feel great or like, you know, you're somehow less kind of thing, right? So, again, there's a balance between these two, okay? Uh, really high-performing leaders, right? have an air of arrogance because they are better than the, the the greater percentage of the team, right? So they're perfectly okay with speaking up and saying, look, here are my qualifications, right? I should have that position. Okay. I would, I would be a benefit in that position. Okay. In our culture, in a lot of cultures, that is overboard, right? Because you're now blowing your own horn. So therefore, right, you, we should, we should be watching out for you. Yeah, we should be. Okay. But do we want a leader who is willing to stand up to other ones, to other arrogant ones, right? And almost be right at the edge of being full of it, right? Or do we want somebody who goes, yeah, well, you know, we need to we need to understand like where they're coming from. I know they got all these guns pointing at us, but um, you know, okay. Um I'm all about understanding people. Not in the moment that the guns pointing at my face. Not in the moment that I'm going to step in and protect somebody else. Right? he and I or a panel or a group or whatever can sit down afterwards and ponder all day long why this person is that way, what caused them to act in the way they did, but not in the moment that they're actually doing damage, right? So in that moment, I'm going to say what needs to be said. I'm going to do what needs to be done. And I'm not going to worry about what anybody's perceptions are. 
because that's not the moment for that. Okay. So the confident person does know what their achievements are. They don't do know what their value is, right? There is a high level of self-esteem, but they also know what their flaws are. Okay. They own them. Okay. They are theirs, just like their achievements are theirs. Their flaws are theirs. Okay. But both are guides, right? The achievements are experience added to knowledge that makes you qualified to do certain things. Okay. My experience and my knowledge make me qualified to put out all the content that I put out. Right. Does that mean I'm perfect at all this stuff? No. I tell everybody in every program that we're in, I'm still working on this stuff too. Okay. So don't put me on a pedestal. Okay. Um, and I'm only attracting people that I know more than and can help get to the next level. I don't have to be perfect at this stuff, right? There are teachers that I've already sent other students to that are their natural next step or that fit their personality better or whatever, because I don't need to be everything to everybody. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, my team knows. Look, I I shine over here. I know this is where my strengths are. So I'm looking for people that actually like doing this other stuff over here that I'm it's either an energy suck or I don't like doing or it's it doesn't play to my strengths or whatever, right? I have somebody on my team as low as their self-esteem is sometimes. It makes me want to go like grab them by their windpipe like the numbers and the bookkeeping and stuff that just makes me want to gag myself, right? I'm good enough to do it and I can do it. Is it my preference? Is it my strength? Nope. Okay. They actually like that stuff. I make it a face because I don't, but it's where they shine. Right. So, but you know, anyway, so there, there's a, again, what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is, is the confident person um, should be okay. The confident person is okay with expressing their value, their experiences, that kind of thing, right? But they're also okay with saying, hey, look, I need help over here. I need help with this stuff, right? Not good with that, right? Um, the arrogant person um, – Here's here's an example. I'm, I'm going to use a personal example, right, um, that hopefully will illustrate the difference between confidence and arrogance. Okay, um, I'm an adult man in the Western society. Okay, I don't know how to fix my own car. There's certain things I can do, right? I can add oil. I can do different things like that. Um, I have not only can I not, but I have no desire to, okay? And there's a whole lot of background behind why part of that is what it is, but there's also a lot of present and forward-looking kind of things too, right? Um, my forte and my expertise lie in other areas, and my goals require a lot of time and effort and resources in that direction, right? And working on my own car, eats into time that I need for these other things. 
there's also some other sting to it too. Like I watched role models growing up ruin perfectly good cars because um, they absolutely had to work on them. And then when they screwed it up, now the car's out of commission for another week that we're not getting around. Um, and they have to spend more money out of their pocket to fix their mistake. I'm perfectly okay with paying somebody else who has, who likes it, has the expertise to do it. And if they screw it up, they're fixing it on their dime because they screwed it up. Right. So again, there's this thing, right? But the number of times I have been looked at and looked down upon by other adult men who go, what do you mean you can't fix your own car? What kind of man are you? Not a mechanic. I don't feel bad when they sling their insults because that doesn't affect my self-esteem or my recognition that this isn't a skill set that I think is important for me. Right. And I live in a world and as a ninja, one of the first lessons I learned as a white belt that was that all ninja have a network of resources. That doesn't mean that they're tied in necessarily with all kinds of other ninja. What that means is that they have resources in the world, in their, in their world, right? That they can call on or get help from in just about any area, right? And they may have to pay for it. They may get it because the person's a friend. What it, the point is that they have a network, right? Of people that they can call on for expertise. I have IT guys. The cool thing about running an academy is I am surrounded by adults, both sides of the fence, that have skill sets in areas that I don't have but could need, right? I have traded off seminars. I have paid for things. I have helped them. They've helped me. Whatever, right? It's the coolest thing, right? But it all came from that first lesson. Have a network, right, of, of resources, right? So, but I don't, I don't feel bad when the arrogant person looks down on me because I can't do something they can do because I know where I stand with regards to that, that thing. I mean, I don't sling back, really. Let's go to the shooting range. See if you can shoot a 300 out of 300 at 21, uh, 21 yards or what? What's the point? Right? I'm not. Now we're comparing apples to oranges and or apples to forklifts, <laughs> whatever, right? It's just not the same, okay? So the, the trick there, and that, it's not a trick, right? The confident person is perfectly okay in their own skin. They know what their shortcomings are. They're working on it, or they have help in that area um, because they don't have a need or they don't, they have a need for the thing, but they don't have a need to be skilled in that. They've chose, they've decided that that's not, that's not their forte, right? I'll pay for that. I'll get help. I'll whatever, right? Um, but at the same time, they're okay with expressing their achievements because they, and when they express the achievements, it's not a bragging expressing. It's in context. 
again, my, my Nikyo students and the people in the, in the Sanji Shichidobon program and whatnot, we're always talking about context, right? It's in context, right? They don't brag about their achievements because they've got nothing else to talk about. Okay. I have another family member um, that is a hypochondriac. If they couldn't talk about their illnesses, they wouldn't have anything to talk about. Okay. That's, that's what I mean. They don't have a need to. Okay. Um, during this week's, I think it's this week's whiteboard Wednesday. If it's not this one, it's another one coming up um, that will um, look at uh, gaining an advantage over an attacker by exploiting their needs and um, and weaknesses, right? If you know what they are, like if the attacker is personal to you and you know them, right, um, you can you can shake them at their core by attacking their needs or their weaknesses, right? Psychological warfare is a bitch, okay? Um, I just had somebody that's helping me, um, for those of you that care, uh, I'm finally getting around to restarting or firing back up my uh, my workplace violence consulting firm. And I have a, uh, somebody that I just brought on board uh, to help me out with those things. And we were talking about um, uh, recognizing uh, needs and uh, types of training programs uh, that I do. And one of them is it has to do with being able to read uh, somebody's um, uh, not just body language, but but the cues and signals and whatnot that identify somebody, identify one person as somebody who's blowing off steam, and it's a stress reducer mechanism, right? But they're very unlikely to physically act out, as opposed to another personality type and their facial microexpressions and body language and, and, and signals that most people would blow off as just them. They're like this all the time, but they are highly likely, right, to, uh, to, to do something uh, that involves violence, right? And he just kind of laughed and said, um, yeah, because you don't have that ability. And we just both laughed about it, and then we just moved on to the next topic, right? Um, and again, I just kind of remembered that as a as a kind of an aside, right? Um, it's not something I've been carrying all day, like oh, I can't wait to tell people in Kudin. That just kind of popped up in my head um, because it just it just came up, right? Um, I make fun, right? Um, Eric, he was just on, right? So now I call him my, the, the racing god, right? But when he was um, when we first started Kudin. Uh, he was uh, both a radio personality and then, oh, he really rose in the ranks in, in the radio uh, industry and the companies that he worked with um, so much so that I think he was headhunted. Eric, you'll have to correct me at some point, but um, if I was off on that, but um, I used to call, call him radio God, right? Um, and it was just like his his comfort level and whatnot on the radio and just being able to do what needed to be done and whatnot. I'm sure that's why he he rose in the ranks very quickly because he was just really good at what he did. Right. But he would just laugh it off as well. Right. And that that's the sign of a confident person. And what you'll find is that confident per people 
tend to hang out with other really confident people. Okay. Confidence is sexy on everybody. Right. And that doesn't mean that I think all my confident friends are sexy. I just mean that, um, you're, we're all comfortable in our own skin. Right. And while there might be little, you know, uh, joking jabs and things that fly around and all that kind of stuff, that's exactly what it is. It's humor and it's a bonding mechanism and those kind of things. Right. But nobody is trying to, uh, like, dominate the group or whatever. You just, you know, as a matter of fact, one of my teachers, uh, Shoshi Malmstrom, used to say, you know why warriors are spread out all over the world and they don't live in one place? Because they live, if they lived in one place, they'd fucking take over. And that's not an arrogant statement. It's a, there would be no room for bullshit and the, and the mental games and shit that weak people play. They're, they just kind of settle into a position. And that doesn't mean that they would all like be in charge. Right. But they would have everybody would. It, the arrogant person needs to put people in their place. The confident person knows the perfect place for their skill set. They put themselves in their place. It's different. It's very different. Okay. Um, before I talk about the tie-in with the self-esteem and how that relates to confidence, arrogance, um, James, questions, comments, anything from anybody? Do you have anything that you want to throw on top of this? Because this has been a this has been an ongoing um, part of your journey as well. The whole owning your owning your worth and all that kind of stuff. So, anything you want to talk to throw on top of this that uh, um, relates. I don't really have anything to throw on top of it. It's still part of the ongoing journey for sure for me. Um, Chris threw in a question slash topic suggestion. I can probably hold it to the end so we don't break. Okay. This. But uh, that was right now. Well, it's not related to this. It was just. It's just a potential offset topic from this. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Nothing else from anybody else? Not right now, no. Okay. All right, so let's take a look at this idea of self-esteem and how it it can connect confidence and arrogance from the outside. Okay. So from one perspective, the dichotomy is that arrogant people tend to feel a need to keep other people down, right? Because they need to be at the top of the, I'm going to use a Western phrase, top of the totem pole. But as a Native American, well, enough, um, <laughs> five eights. Anyway, um, the the um, low man on the totem pole phrase, right? Most people think that of what, James, what do they think when they, when you hear low man on the totem pole. Like the newest person usually. Yeah. Except that's not what, not the way totem poles are made. <laughs> right. The high man on the totem pole is the newest guy. Okay. The low man, the lowest image on the totem pole is the bedrock. They are the foundation of, they're the keeper of the rules and laws and 
They're the inspiration, the motive. They're the thing that holds everything else up. Okay. So it's a misnomer based on outsiders trying to look in. Just like when Western martial artists looking at a Japanese or Chinese martial art try to translate not just a foreign culture's thing, but a foreign culture's thing centuries back that can't even be translated well by modern people in that same culture. Right. But, you know, since the words are the same or the translation's the same, there's that arrogance that pops out like, oh, I know exactly what they're talking about. Okay. One of the first things I do in all my programs is do what? Translate certain words so we're all on the same sheet of music because if there's too great of a, of a, uh, of a possibility for mistranslation, misunderstanding. Okay. Um, you know, I, and, but we're not taught that, right? Um, you know, most people don't know that in the um, in the federal laws of the United States, the way they're written, okay, the term or the phrase United States of America or United States, right, shows up twice. And the word state shows up twice, two different ways. Okay. One, let's, let's just take United States. One way is capitalized capital U, capital S, okay? In another way, it's not a misprint. It's lowercase u, lowercase s. In one case, lowercase both, United States, that is pointing to the collective United States, the collective. When it's capitalized, it's talking about the federal government. It's completely different, okay? When the word state shows up and it's lowercase, it's identifying a state within the collective United States, okay? As a matter of fact, I don't live in a state, right? There, the state of Pennsylvania has a different connotation than the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, Okay, the Commonwealth of Virginia. These are not states. Okay, there have been state things overlaid over them, but it's not the same. Okay, so state capitalized is a federal enclave. It is it is something that has been identified or a state capitalized has been created by congressional approval. Most of the Midwestern or Western states applied for statehood to the United States, right? And then Congress voted on it. Well, their, their internal thing did, and then they were voted on, okay? Um, the commonwealths did, never had to apply for statehood because they were a part of the original 13 colonies. They were the precursor and the founders of, or the, the, the ones who formed the United States as an entity. Okay. That's the quick, dirty version. There are lots of little nuances, and I may have missed something that's really important. But that's not important because, again, most people weren't educated to know those differences. So when they see certain things that spell out like this is a law, you have to follow this because it says right here, 
right? Um, never more important than if you don't understand how to read the tax code. Okay. And no, you don't have to be a lawyer to read the tax code. You just have to start with the definitions at the beginning or the definitions in that clause and then apply them. And a 10 year old can do it. Okay. So we've just been convinced that it's too difficult for you to understand. So therefore, okay. Um, anyway, so, um, let's go to the self-esteem thing, right? Um, so just like the, uh, again, the arrogant person from a self-esteem perspective has to keep everybody down because if they rise too high, they'll be able to see your flaws. They'll be able to pierce the veil, right? They could supersede you. They could take over, right? The, um, the boss or leader in a company or in any group who is afraid that other people will find out that they've either been BSing or they don't know as much as everybody thinks they know or whatever, right? Um, they're always living in fear that they'll be found out, right? There's this thing called imposter syndrome, right? That there's this, there's this underlying current going on, right? So they need to always be out maneuvering or they need to be putting people in their place or they need to be firing people who are potential threats or you get the idea, right? Or they need to be moving up and onward or laterally or whatever so that they're not found out by the previous group and the new group is a do-over, right? So they get to rehash the same kind of things, right? Um, the confident person tends to um, lift people up because if I, not just I, right, James, whoever, right? If you lift others up, they can now become assets because you help, you, you train them, you whatever, right? And besides that, if you really care about the job or the group or the organization that you're in, Who's going to fill your shoes when you move on, either because you passed away or because you got promoted or whatever? And this is the way Japanese um, corporations work, right? It, not necessarily in other countries, but in Japan, right? So every person at every position, right, has three jobs, right? They have the job in the position that they're working, whether it's guy on the floor supervisor, department head, whatever, okay? Um, they have the job of learning the person's position or job above them. And they have the job of teaching people or the person below them how to do their job because the assumption is they will move up and the person below them needs to be prepared to move into their position. Do you understand? Does this sound familiar, James? It's the way Warrior Concepts is designed. Okay. There's always that movement. So what we need are confident people that when the time is there, right, I open another academy or um, I move into a position where I'm only doing um, upper level uh, classes and seminars. I need instructors who are confident in their ability to teach the, the classes that they're now in charge of teaching, 
right? Um, and I'm, they know I don't micromanage how people teach. I run instructor training programs to teach necessary key skills that I believe instructors should have. Okay. How they run their class is not my concern. My concern is students, and I'll see it when students step up to test. So if somebody's not covering something, I'll see that. I don't need to micromanage and watch them teach. Okay. I can hear them if I'm in my office or whatever. So if there's a difficulty they're running into with explaining something or students aren't getting it, but they sound like they only know one way to do it or whatever, then like I don't step out on the floor and go, oh, hey, by the way, right? Um, later on, I'll go, you know, here's how I do it, right? Um, but I've got a friend who does it this way. Um, next time you you bump into that, try like if you if you run into that crickets kind of sound or the the deer in the headlight look or whatever, um, you know, by all means, right? Try this one or the other one or whatever and see if one sticks, right? But I already lead that off in the instructor training program by covering the four different learning types. So if it's not sticking, it's because you're there's probably a mismatch in the communication or you don't you haven't tuned into their Seder type. Right. And which sense they so you just need to readjust how you're explaining it. So I suggest, you know, scripting things out. Right. Four different ways that you're going to describe a technique or that you're going to present a technique or whatever, because you need to hit the different learning types. It's a skill set that I believe instructors should have, not just parroting your teacher, not just always doing it the same way, right? There's a reason, there's a reason that students quit. Sometimes it's life. Sometimes it's their commitment. Most times they're not getting it or they're not getting value from class. So the first thing that instructors learn in my in my instructor training program is what James every single class a student is either one step closer to black belt or one step closer to what the door the door and it's the instructor's responsibility first while it could be something else the confident person accepts responsibility first before throwing blame or excuses. The arrogant person does not do that. Okay? We know what the self-deprecating person does, right? They automatically assume it's their fault, but not from the same perspective of responsibility. It's from the perspective of low sense of value. They suck. I suck. Right? That's already problematic. Right? So, anyway. All right. So, but there's a, there's another one, just like I covered two, two things on, on the extremes. There's two things going on here, right? Low self-esteem in relation to confidence and arrogance. Okay. The person, there's two personality types that will almost always have a problem with a confident person and see confidence as arrogance, okay? Because confident people flock together, right? The confident people prefer to hang out with other confident people. There's no competition. 
right? There's zero competition. But a person of low self-esteem will very often see a confident person as an arrogant person because they feel overwhelmed. They feel insecure. They want to be confident, but they're um, they're intimidated by the same kind of confidence. Okay? And if a confident person speaks directly, just very direct, that will come across as mean. It will come across as uh, aggressive, those kind of things, right? I was in a relationship once. Um, this person shared um, – they were trying to make a point. It didn't come across well. Um, but they were trying to make a point about how I was aggressive and mean and I attacked them. And, okay, so the confident person always is self-aware. They're self-checking. Okay, so if somebody says something, they'll almost always, like, check. They don't default to um, defensive uh, counter-aggression kind of thing, right? Um, they'll double-check. Um, so... What I said was, can you give me an example? Yeah, I can absolutely. Um, let, let me get my, because I, I journal everything. So, well, they read this thing and, you know, I said, she said, he said, whatever, right? And I remembered the, the incident. It was like a week ago, right? A week previous to, to this conversation. And I said, what I said was, the, right? I, this is what I said, right? Yeah, those are the words you used. I that was just a direct answer. Right. And what I realized was. They were so conditioned from childhood up that you don't speak that way. They were taught that that's rude to like speak directly. Like I want this thing. OK, not I want this thing or else. Right. I want this thing. OK. Um, that that kind of speech was either rude or it was aggressive. Okay. And just the gist of the, the situation was um, they were, they were manipulating and hinting that they needed me to be um, a yes man regardless of the logic of the situation or regardless of how I saw what was going on. Okay. And I said, no, I won't be that person. If that's what you're looking for, then we need to seriously renegotiate our relationship. And that may require that um, you and I part ways. They saw that as an attack. Okay. So low self-esteem people are very intimidated by confident people who just speak very plainly and directly. Because the way I finished that conversation was, if I were to be aggressive or mean, um, you would soil your pants. Okay. Um, and I get it. I get how that can come across. Okay. But the reality is, is that some of us have duck bullets 
not figuratively, and anything that won't kill me can be worked through. It's not going to make me shake in my boots. You being angry at me does not make me shake in my boots. Okay? We can have a discussion, but I'm not afraid of somebody being mad at me. Okay? Because it's not going to kill me. And if it is going to kill me, that's just not somebody mad at me. That's, that's a different, that's a different situation. Okay. So the one person that will always conflate confidence with arrogance is somebody of low self-esteem. The second person is a control freak. They must be in control no matter what. Whether they know where they're going or anything, they just need to be in charge. Okay. So confident people bother them because they don't get compliance from confident people. If it doesn't seem logical or whatever, right? If you can't make your case well, then it doesn't go well. Okay. So that kind of person will, will see a confident person as being arrogant or they will use, they don't see them as arrogant. They know what's going on. They will do name calling and call them arrogant or cocky or whatever in an attempt to gain compliance. Does that make sense? Okay. It's, it's just all mind game kind of things. Right. So, but again, the confident person always does a self check. So here's a litmus test. Okay. Because part of Brian's thing was how do you own your self worth without being full of it? Right. And this is what a confident person is always gauging. Right. How, where's, where's the, the edge? How do I get things done? But not get people to melt or piss themselves or how do I, because sometimes, sometimes an arrogant statement will come out. The person's not trying to be arrogant, but they will say, look, I'm the one with the skill set here, right? You're either going to help or you're not. Or I've been known to say, it's my school, my name's on it, my vision. You're either going to help or you're going to find some place where you can set up your own camp. Okay. And that's just the way it works. My name's on everything and my, all the risk is mine. Okay. You can see it as arrogant all you want, but my name's on the lease. I have to pay if the school folds, regardless. It doesn't just go away like people that do their little renter hopping thing, right? And hoping that it doesn't catch up or they don't get sued, whatever, right? My name's on the IRS documents. My name's on. So I'm the one that has everything to lose, including my personal property. So anybody who wants to have a pissing contest can go have it with somebody else because my name's on the line. And that's just the way it works. I took the risk. Right. So. Right. But. James, how many meetings do we have where I go? This is what we're going to do. And. There are no questions. I don't remember being in one of those. Because, right, I want to know okay, right. who's, who can help with whatever, right? Here's here's where I think we need to go. Am I missing something? How many, how many times do I say am I missing something? Does anybody say anything that I'm missing or whatever, right? Okay. Uh, we need to get this moving. Um any ideas for a priority, those kind of things, right? So if I already think that something needs to be a priority, I say it, and then 
like who can help with what, right? Am I missing something? Those kind of things, right? And again, I'm not intimidating James because he's in a different office and across, you know, in a different town or whatever. Um, he and I will be sitting tomorrow, right? We have these meetings all the time, okay? But I do have a hard, fast, can't, won't rule. If you're on my team, there's only two positions that you will occupy, okay? You will be meeting whatever the um, the deadlines or whatever agreements we have or whatever, or you won't, okay? If you won't, or not if you won't, if you can't, right? That has two parts. There's a can't and a won't, right? If you can't, that's my problem because that requires training, right? Or I brought somebody on that I misread them and they can't do it aptitude-wise, commitment-wise, they're overstretched in their job world, family world, whatever, that kind of thing. But typically it's a training thing because I don't, I, how many times do I ask, is, is this going to get in the way? Is that, I mean, you know, sure. James, sure. how long is it, how, how far is home to the dojo for you? Currently, an hour, an hour right? So, yeah, is this going to work? I mean, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? So typically can't is a training issue which just requires me or somebody else that knows it for me to hook you up or whatever for you to get trained to do that job. could be with uh, our social posting software. It could be with whatever, right? So that's a me issue, right? Can't easily handled. Won't is also easily handled, right? How do I handle won't? There's the damn door. There's the damn door. See, most leaders operate and allow their people to assume that there's a third option that that person can do whatever the hell they want and affect the team in whatever way. But as long as they're comfortable, we're not going to stir things up. It's not the way it works. Okay. So when I talk to, when I teach my leaders, the ones I want to be in a leadership position, right? Same thing as when I'm working with everybody else, right? Okay. If somebody doesn't meet an expectation, what's my question? Okay. So what got in the way and what, what would be a, a, new, a good new deadline, right? Or what are you working on to make it happen by this point, right? And if they say nothing or there's nothing I can do or whatever, okay, then what are you doing to pass that job off to somebody else to move out of the team? I'm not doing anything to do that. Okay, then what are you doing to meet expectations or to meet that deadline? Why? Well, uh, nothing. Okay, then what are you doing to reposition yourself outside of this role? What? Well, see, eventually we're going to get to a point where I'm going to say, I think you think there's a third option that doesn't exist because it's a can't or won't. Okay? That's not arrogant. That's, I brought you on to take a role to handle this area Ultimately, I'm responsible for that to happen. Most leaders screw that stuff up, too. Delegation and abdication. Ultimately, again, my name's on everything, so whose responsibility is it for that school to be successful? Mine. Right? What do I do when I bring people onto a team? I delegate certain tasks and roles to help me accomplish that goal. But if they don't, who's responsible for it? Me. Right? 
abdication is what most leaders do. They bring you on into a role, and they don't check on it, and then when things don't go well, they just blame you. But a part of my role to make sure that I'm doing my job is to make sure that I have things in place to make sure the people I brought on and delegated tasks to are doing those things. My family works the same. If teenagers have chores and all that, it's my house, my deed, my mortgage, whatever. Okay? Here are your chores. Okay? Ultimately, I have to do them, but I'm not doing them because they don't want to. Okay? Now, that's an I can't or won't where I'm going to kick you out of the family kind of thing. But if you think I won't call the cell phone company and have your phone line turned off, it's my phone. No, my phone, my contract. Well, you'll still have to pay for it. I have to pay for it one way or the other. But I'm not paying for you to have a privilege when you're not fulfilling your responsibilities. So, yes, I will absolutely call and have that phone line turned off until you do what you need to be doing. Or I'll just flat out take the phone from you because it's not your phone. And I've had teenagers actually say, well, I'll just go get my own phone. No, you won't. You're under 18. You can't sign a contract. So does that sound arrogant? Maybe, but... They're, they need to be prepared to move out of the world. The family unit needs to be a microcosm of the greater world that they're going to move out to, or you end up with a pissing, moaning adult who can't adult because they weren't taught the right lessons to prepare them for the teams and groups and whatnot that they're going to be a, a part of. So my job isn't to my job is to be friendly and to be you know a friendly dad with my kids and all that, but not to be friends because we're not peers yet. We won't be peers until you have your own family and your own kids and your own mortgage and all that kind of stuff, and you understand why I make the decisions I make so we don't get to communicate like we're peers. Okay? So, but again, that's how Jeff does things. Okay? I'm not suggesting that anybody do those things. But that comes from a base of my world. Okay? So... Does that mean I don't make mistakes? No. My wife and I have discussions about things that we think the other one did or could have done differently or whatever. So we just agreed that my wife will communicate a certain way and I will communicate a different way. And that puts a different hierarchy in the house. Okay? So if my children want a certain type of solution, they know to go to mom. They want a different type of solution. One, they have to own up to the responsibility of it. And the help they get from me is I will give them a list of phone numbers to call and places to go or I will show them how to do it the first time or whatever, but I'm not doing it for them. That doesn't count for my, like, four-year-old grandson. <laughs> so, but either way, right? So, but when it comes to self-esteem, right, there's a high level of self-esteem to confident and arrogant people, well, usually with arrogant people, or it can at least come across that way. But here's, here's a, a thing that I, I learned a long time ago in a, psychology, brain wire, all kinds of, I have weird hobbies, right? When it comes to self-esteem and confidence, self-esteem is, for those of you who can see it visually, right? I'm, and for those of you who can't, I'm positioning my hand lower, right? And almost at the bottom of the screen. Self-esteem is a basal quality. It's a feeling, right? It's a, it's a recognition of, 
it's not a logical um, kind of here's all the reasons why kind of thing. Okay. Experiences and knowledge and successes build self-esteem because a person recognizes the value that they have in their own lives, to their own goals, to the lives of the people that they've taken responsibility for, to being able to help the world at large, that kind of thing, right? There's a sense of, I have value and this is what I bring to the table. Now, you could sit down and list all these things, but there's a recognition of, right? In spite of flaws, here's the value that I bring, okay? Confidence sits higher and it sits above self-esteem, self-worth, self-value. So it is absolutely possible to have high self-esteem and low self-confidence because the confidence is related to the activity or the realm or the thing you're learning or whatever. Does that make sense? Like I can have low confidence because I'm moving into a new realm And so I'm not sure of myself and my ability to produce results in this realm. But that doesn't shake my foundation of my own self-worth, right? I don't run into problems learning something and then call myself stupid or say I suck or whatever. Does that make sense? Okay, because I myself don't suck. I move into realms where I have low self-confidence because it's brand new, but I have absolute confidence in my ability to commit to learning it, following through, and figuring it out. So temporary moments of, hmm, I'm having a hard time getting my head wrapped around this does not rock me at my core. And that's true of anybody who has high self-esteem, but not playing the arrogant game. They just are, they know their skill sets. Like my skill sets are tenacity, right? That's a skill set, right? Integrity, those kind of things, right? Those are absolute personal, personal character traits that I own those. Okay, my ability to solve problems, right? Yeah, but what if you can't figure it out? What will I do, James? You'll get with somebody else that knows how to or use Google. I'll find a mentor or I'll find a friend or whatever that I already know that I can tap there. I'll figure it out. That doesn't mean I won't ask somebody else for help, right? I'm not that self-sufficient, right? If I'm going to be that self-sufficient, I have the skills and abilities to move off to the mountains and live by myself and whatever. Okay. I'm going to miss interactions. I'm going to miss my friends and I'm going to miss my Netflix or my whatever, my oldies shows that I watch on YouTube or whatever. Right. I'm also going to miss um, watching students eyes light up when they have those aha moments. Cause that's my, that's part of my life purpose. Okay. So, It is absolutely possible to have high self-worth, high self-esteem, and low confidence in given scenarios, okay? But it is nearly impossible to have 
high self-confidence in any realm with low self-esteem. Because your sense of self-esteem or validation is tied to your success or failure in any given realm. And that's problematic. Because that kind of person needs facades more than anybody else. And that person runs the risk of either sliding down the scale towards self-deprecation and then getting being their own worst enemy or going the narcissistic route and having to resort to arrogance tactics to cover up what they fear other people are going to find out. Right. And in all honesty, the arrogant path, the facade path is, um, is faster because it's easier to build a facade and lead with that. Right. Than it is to actually do the work, build the experiences, do the recognition stuff, be, and just end up because the arrogant person and the self-deprecator care deeply, even though they present themselves in a way that they don't, they care deeply what other people think of them and see. The confident person who's who's comfortable in their own skin. Now, there might be some people that they don't want to let down. They don't want to disappoint or whatever. And they do care. like I care that my my kids know that I would take a bullet for them. Okay, but their opinion of me because of a decision I made out of based on their self, their their safety and their, you know, their benefit and all that kind of stuff, even if it's an unpopular opinion, that doesn't shake me. Okay, And for what most people there was a really good book and I highly recommend this to, to folks. Um, I have it on my bookshelf somewhere because my wife almost threw it away and it was like one of the first self, self development, self esteem building books I found on my journey. The author's name is Terry Cole Whitaker. Cole Whitaker is hyphenated. C-O-L hyphen Whitaker. Terry, T-E-R-R-Y. It's a, it's a woman. Um, the, the title of the book is What You Think of Me is None of My Business. And the cool thing about this book is it is a it's a it's not just your everyday self-esteem book. Right. Every chapter is laid out with a given thing to work on. But there are self-assessments and actual like uh, worksheets and things to do. Right. To track progress and, and stuff like that. It is absolutely an interactive book. I highly, highly, highly. Did I mention highly recommend that book? And even if you don't want to get the book, don't ever forget the quote that confident people would probably never say unless they needed to put somebody out of their own place, right? I'm not, I don't need to put somebody in their place. What I need to do is get somebody to back off and stop bringing their bullshit into my realm. And that is what you think of me is none of my business. Okay? The only people that I care about what they think and only from a responsibility, integrity, 
uh, honesty perspective are my students, my staff, and my family. Okay? The trolls online, I don't care how good they are as a fighter, right? If they're being arrogant and telling me what's true, what's not true, or whatever, what they're missing is from my experience, from my perspective. Okay? I don't argue perspective. You and I can be the exact same rank, the same, have the same expertise or whatever, and have had, have taken two completely different routes to get here. And neither of us are going to question it. We're not going to sit around talking about like martial arts or, and if we're talking about those kind of things, we're sharing information back and forth because we're trying to learn from each other and help the other person grow as well. Right. Um, if we have a debate, it's, Wow, I got it this way. You got what? And then we're both going to try. We're going to both going to do some research and go. Ooh, you know what? As a white belt, I misheard that, or oh, I must have missed that class because that's what really had what's really going on. I didn't get that class. Okay, but the arrogant person, they need to be the top dog, right? So, is do we know if Brian is on? It would have been the Brian and Mandy, I think. Is he on? I can't hear you. <laughs> he was on. He said he jumped on uh, a little late. He'd catch up on the rest of it on iTunes. Yeah, he did tell me when, that when he sent it, based on his work schedule and whatnot, he wasn't sure if he could be on live. So, uh, Brian, this is for you specifically. Um, hopefully this um, had some value for you and, and kind of addressed things the way you wanted um now i'll open it up to everybody else so if you're if you're and speaking of itunes and whatnot or i what is it apple podcast now it's not itunes anymore whatever uh, if you're on any of those if you're on the audio only podcast and you're listening to the recording um you you can always send things into warrior c at warrior-concepts-online.com um, we don't have something specific just for kuden at this point do we not right now no okay fair enough at some point um, if things grow big enough and, and it's warranted, we may make a Kuden site that would make it easier to interact that way. But right now, it's just all a part of, of the same site and stuff. So um, you can always send in questions. If uh, you have a, a personal story about how um, these differences kind of became evident to you or um, you can relate to it and you know, here's how here's how it worked for you or any any kind of stories like that. We're we're always like open to, to listening to those kind of things. And again, you know, if you have a, a topic um, or whatever uh, that you'd like, to, you know, to be covered or whatever, by all means, send those things in um, this. Absolutely. This stuff absolutely does relate. You know what? I was I was going to address this. And before I opened up the questions, I want I do want to toss this out. Right. Because, again, I think some people, when they tune into Kuden, have a hard time understanding because, you know, we, we present this as a this is for martial artists. It's for self-defense people. It's for, you know, um, this kind of realm. Right. How the hell does this stuff relate? Well, I'll tell you how it relates. Arrogant people are way more likely to start fights or jump into things that way because they go defensive very, very easily. Confident people, not so much. Okay. Confident people have lines in the sand, but they're not 
because of personal slights. Call my mom a name, my wife a name or whatever. I already know what those people are like. So your name calling speaks to, tells me more about you than anything about them because I know them more than you do. Right? So why the hell would I, well, because you're supposed to defend your sisters. No, that's what teenage boys who are trying to make a name for themselves or protect the family or whatever do. Okay. There are certain lines that if you cross, you will have no doubt that you cross that line. And at that point, I will be burning bridges. We won't, there won't be any kind of friendship left after that point. So um, I don't engage in arguments, including with my wife, that I will be apologizing later for saying certain things or whatever. Apologies come from me when I spoke um, in a way or I did things in a way that my intentions were pure, but had results that were not what I was planning on. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, I will make up for things four ways from Sunday. But if I speak a certain way or act a certain way, and my intention was to produce the anger or the, the whatever it was that you were experiencing, you're not getting an apology for that because I intended to do that. That's part of authenticity. That's part of being authentic, right? If I meant to knock you down a couple of pegs, then yeah. So if you're going to be angry at me for being angry at you, well, that's, that speaks of immaturity, right? Um, I don't get angry at people because they were angry at me. Right? They were angry at me. They were angry at me for a reason. So now I need to figure out what that reason was, and then we can approach it from that direction. Right? So I will either be explaining myself more clearly, and if nothing else, we will agree to disagree, or I will apologize for slighting because I didn't intend for that to happen. Okay? It's part about it's part it's part of being mindful of one's thoughts, words, and actions. Okay? Effort, whatever. Okay? So um again from a self-defense perspective right one of the first lessons i give my students when they come in the academy is wrapped around respect okay if i'm respectful if i'm authentic if i'm honest if i'm a person of integrity right chances are and i'm mindful of my actions my including thoughts words and actual physical deeds I'm not going to give somebody a reason to want to physically attack me because I was an asshole. And I certainly don't sign up to get into a ring to see who's best or who's going to get the belt or who's going to get their 15 minutes of fame because I'm not willing to damage other human beings for a prize. I don't knock other people to do for who want to do that. If that's, if that's what they're all about. Fantastic. That's not me. Okay. So what that means is I position myself so that I only ever have to use my skills. If the person that's coming at me is coming at me because that's who they are. And I need to stop that stupidity from happening. But I've gone to great lengths to create a person, me, 
that I don't have to worry about people attacking me because of gestures I use or, and if I do that, right, James is chuckling over on the side. Right? If I do that, right, we do that stuff jokingly. I'll walk in and call saying, morning, punk, what's up, right? Or what we do things, and everybody laughs, right? Somebody on the outside that doesn't know anything, oh, that's barbaric. Why would you do that? It's the nature of our friendship. Nobody knows. Everybody knows how close we are and that we would take a bullet for each other. So if somebody comes in and throws in what sounds like an insult, it was it was a joke. It was a way to break the ice or whatever, right? So it's not, right? Now, would I do that? Well, I would do it in South Philly because if I don't pepper my, my uh, desire for them to not attack me with four-letter expletives, I might as well have a, the word victim etched into my forehead, right? So it's about context. Right. So this this does relate to self-defense, self-esteem and one's level of self self-esteem. OK, the higher one recognizes their value to be not assumed value. Right. That. My grandson, my kids are all moved out in the world, but they still need me occasionally and whatnot. Right. My wife and whatnot. I'm not going to do stupid things to put myself at jeopardy. Of getting into fights where I might end up going to jail because I hurt somebody too much or I risk dying or being crippled or maimed and not being able to take care of them. Right. So Takamasa, 33rd Grandmaster of the Tugakuri School, right, said only those who um, know how much they have to lose. Right. Um, will be warriors okay? because they don't just arbitrarily throw them. They're not going to be fighters because there's too much to lose, right? Only those with nothing to lose take every challenge, step up to fight, whatever, because their name is all they have. Their reputation is all they have. Their reputation as a tough guy is all they have or tough girl, Right. I'm not making any value judgments on anybody. This is not about that. This is about deciding who you want to be, what kind of person you want to be, becoming that person, not faking it, becoming that person that you can rest in and of yourself. You know what you stand for. You know what you don't. Right. Um, so sometimes you can say things that sound arrogant, but they're not coming from a place of arrogance. Does that make sense? It's kind of like in class when we do certain techniques. When I say, okay, we're going to do this movement, and a pull happens, but I'm not pulling. A push occurs, but I'm not pushing. Okay? It's the same thing. I can say something that sounds arrogant, but it's direct. It's not coming from a place of arrogance. It's coming from a place of confident, in this place, groundedness. Right. This is my realm. You don't get to come into this thing and cause damage without something happening. That's not the same as you can't say these things or do these things or whatever without me physically accosting you or getting into a fight. Because even if you won the fight, it doesn't make you right. And what if you lose? Does that make him right? I'm holding my ground. This is my house. You stepped in here. But that personality that's competitive 
if I lose, does that make him right? Can he now come into my house whenever he wants? That's stupid. That's not a protector's person mindset, right? That's a gambler's mindset. I don't gamble with my family's life. Okay. Anyway, so now that I got that out of the way with tying self-defense back in, questions, comments, complaints, I'm good for those too. Uh, Paula Miller had a couple comments. <laughs> Paula always makes me know I'm just picking because Paula's an ex-sister-in-law. Uh, she's, she's always been my sister, but you get the idea, right? Legally. <laughs> anyway, what's up, Paula? What's up, sister? I'm a different mister. <laughs> she said confident people are not afraid to be wrong an unconfident person is afraid to be wrong absolutely absolutely the number of people you've heard me say this right and she's probably heard me say this I am okay with being wrong right I could be so wrong I'm parking cars I'm, I could be so far in left field I'm parking cars in the parking lot right but if I find out that that's the wrong place to be, the only place to be, the only way to get to be in the right position is to recognize, oh, shit. Okay? Um, have you ever ridden, have you ever ridden on a ride with somebody and they made a wrong turn? Of their own volition, of their own accord, right? They got pissed off, but they blamed everybody else in the car for talking or whatever. If I get into that position, and actually, um, this just happened, uh, was it last weekend? Weekend before. My wife and I took my grandson. Um, first time we took him to medieval times because he likes knights and all that kind of stuff, right? So if you don't know medieval times, if you're not from the states or whatever, it's one of these places. It's like a ren fair for dinner, right? It's this Renaissance kind of knightly dueling kind of thing um, in a stadium or in an arena, and you, it, it's a restaurant, right? But anyway. Um, I had never been to the one that we took him to. I had been to the one in Baltimore a lot. This was a new place. And we were getting closer. And my my um, grandson has inherited my gift of gab. And so he's just chattering away, right? And I said, okay, we're getting close. Please stop talking, right? Grandpa's, I, I need to, I, I'd have been okay with making a wrong turn. I just needed to try to to get to the right place because, um, well, if Chris McLaurin were on, he would know. The place we were going was a very safe uh, community, but we were only one or two communities over from a couple of places, uh, one place specifically that he grew up in that you don't want to make a wrong turn and end up in, okay? And it's I don't have any ill will for the people or whatever. It's just um, in that context, I'd have been the wrong color. My car would have been the wrong car. Can you say beacon? Like bat signal. Right. For all the wrong reasons. OK, not a good place. Like when Chris goes there, he acts differently. So he still blends in with the people he grew up with that never moved out. He moved out. He and one of my other students are from that that area. The only reason they go back is because there's family. They moved out of there for a reason. And that's just the way it is. Right. But anyway, um, I, I did have to say, OK, you need to stop. Because I needed to focus. And then my wife kind of took over and she managed him and all that kind of stuff. But I, I literally needed to focus, right? But if I'd have made a wrong turn, it'd have been because I misheard the direction on the GPS or whatever. But I wouldn't have said, you know, I, I, 
and because I knew that frustration was building, I nipped that in the bud. Does that make sense? I I made sure that they knew, look, I, I need to focus. Okay. So whatever needs to stop. Um, but you know, if you're with somebody who's arrogant, they'll always be blaming everybody else for that, that thing. Cause you're right. They can't be wrong. Right. So, um, what's that? Didn't we just do a, a kuda not too long ago or, or is it coming up about failing forward? Or was that just a conversation we had or did I do that with an online group? I remember we talked about it recently, but I'm not sure in what yeah. context. So when we move into a new thing and we start doing something different, we just make an assumption that we're going to fail, right? Now, that's not the same as the self-deprecating thing, that I suck and therefore I'm probably going to screw this up. Okay? It's not the same. It's this is new, and I'm not going to make the assumption that the first time out of the gate – Everything's going to be freaking unicorn farts and rainbows. It's because it's it's not right. What we're going to do is we're going to move forward. We're going to mess up some stuff. I'm not going to be like Wiley Coyote, right? And just scrap that and start a whole new plan, right? I'm going to figure out where it's. And so the whole idea, it's it's just a mindset of failing forward, right? We're going to mess this up until we're not messing it up anymore, right? Because every time we mess up, we're going to okay have. What am I missing? Time, money, resources, uh, it's a piece of information I didn't have, whatever, right? And then we're just – so um, confident people understand the process of failing forward, right? Um, you know, how many things do we throw in the water at the same time? And the things that start getting traction, then that's what we double down on. We don't do that nearly enough. We, we tend to throw, we're doing one or two things. Um, I think we need to throw five or ten things out, and then the two or three things that really gain traction, that's where we just pull in all the resources from all these other things and, and go with that. We don't do that one enough. So that's, that's one of my flaws because I tend to get, like, laser vision, but we could do that way more. I could do that way more, and therefore we could do that way more. <laughs> Anyway, what else did what else did Paula have? Because I don't want to I want short change on her comments. <laughs> she said ways I improve self confidence. I started by forgiving myself and others for my past. Then I stepped out of my comfort zone, set boundaries, and took on a role I wanted. I'm responsible for my own confidence and celebrating my wins. Of course you are. Absolutely. Way to go. And I, I see. I can't even say it makes me love you more for it because, like you know. Love to me is just like total acceptance. So, um, way to go. <laughs> what else you got? Anything else, Armor? Uh, and she does have a she does have a really really cool job now, right? So I'm I'm glad that you just kept at it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say this because I think it gets in the way of a lot of people, right? Um, congratulations for keeping at it in spite of yourself. Because nobody gets in our way more than we do. We can blame other people for saying, doing, or whatever, but who ultimately lets that shut, lets those things or words or whatever stop us or shut us down? Us. We're the ultimate gatekeeper. Right? So, way to go. What else? Uh, she also threw out their unstoppable self-confidence by Andrew Leadham. 
a knowledgeable and informative read. Yeah, there was another oh, there was another book. My wife turned me on to it, and I didn't get a chance to read it yet, and I've got to because there's also a sequel to it. It's called something like The Ultimate Art of Not Giving a Fuck. The Subtle Art. That's it. There you go. The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Right. Right? Good stuff. It's better yeah. than me recommending the uh, Foundations of Tibetan Mysticism, which you'll read about 2,700 times before, like, <laughs> you get your head wrapped around how deep that is. So, But if you're one of my Mikio students, um, that is a mandatory, no questions asked, um, I will be arrogant about you need the damn book. Okay? So, who knew you could break Om Mane Padme Hum, those four syllables, <laughs> down into... <laughs> And I still reread that book. So, yeah. Anyway, but let's start with simple things like, you know, Buddhism plain and simple. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the, uh, that's, yeah, any recommendations that you guys can pass around to each other, absolutely. Right? And no, they didn't make a fucking video, so read the damn book. So, is <laughs> there <laughs> a YouTube video? Is there a short for that one? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, what else we got? Uh, Chris River on YouTube said, my thoughts are confidence is clear presentation and or expression, right thought, word, and action. Arrogance is no thought about present about how presentation or expression is taken. Is this close? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's one aspect. I mean, you can... I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what my Mikio teacher told me when I, when I use things like that, right? Um, because all these things are expedients. Ultimately, what we're doing is hinting around at the thing. Um, it's like looking at a block with a hole drilled through it, right? And then trying to describe the hole without describing the block. So you can get a sense of it and you, you can see it and you can experience it, but anything we do to try to try to ultimately nail it down. It's just an expedient. So in the words of Reverend Jikai, um, you can use those words. But remember, it's an expedient because you're only coming at it from one perspective, right? You're coming at it from one aspect based on the words you're using. Okay. So, but yeah, you, is it right ultimately? Um, you don't want me to answer that. Okay. So, because it's, it's going to be, 98% no, because again, you're like when you're, when you're looking at anything, you can use that, that Dharma chakra, that eight spoked wheel kind of thing. So, um, instead of looking at it like an eight spoked wheel, look at the spokes like they're either microscopes or telescopes. The unenlightened mind tends to look at things just like from whatever you see facing you. And then they, it makes an assumption about everything else. Okay. So, um, the hub in the wheel would be the thing that you're trying to understand, right? Truth, okay, on a microcosmic level, right? So each of those is a microscope that's looking at a particular side. So you can see each one, and then your insight, Hanya in Japanese or Prajna in Sanskrit, your inner eye puts the whole thing together, right? But you can never, with your own eyes, see the whole thing, right? It's kind of like the universe. So if the hub now is me and I'm looking at the macrocosm, the universe, or the realm, in this case, 
confidence versus arrogance, right? I can look out at eight pieces of the sky. I can never see the whole sky at one time, right? Or I can never see the whole of anything, love, whatever. I can look at it from the perspective of a mother's love. I can see it from dad's tip of the boot love. I can see it from granny love. I can see it from nurturing love. I can see it from tough love. You get the idea? But the whole concept, okay, so each of these then gives me another perspective, and then that causes prosnot, causes insight, right, to to grow, and then I, I'm able to understand more and more. It's just describe, learning about it in words and describing it in words, just it fragments it, right? So ultimately, you want to come to an ex, an experiential understanding, an intuitive understanding of the truth of that thing so it'll just be like like i said like love right you you know what it is and you can recognize it when you see it right confident everybody knows what confidence looks like whether they try to bastardize it or not they know what confidence looks like okay whether they're bothered by it or comfortable with it they know what it looks like okay and you know what arrogance looks like Ultimately, when you when you know, you know that sometimes a confident person will say something that can be misconstrued as arrogance. Right. But again, there's a there's a quick litmus test to this. And I don't know if I said this earlier, but I'm going to say it again. If one or two people, three people call you arrogant every once in a while and it's disjointed. It's been my experience. It's probably a personality conflict. But if it comes back at you a lot, then it's mirror time. Okay. And ultimately, we know anyway because there's that inner voice that's afraid it's true, okay, which is the biggest trigger of anger. We get angry when we're afraid that what somebody says is true or we flat out know it's true. So it's a defense mechanism. Okay. So we get angry for one of two reasons. Okay. Self-protection or the protection of somebody else. Like if their actions are damaging and we call them on it, right? Damn it, I said, don't do that. That's harmful to other people. Okay? That's not the same as somebody who only gets angry if your actions or words affect them negatively. But it's funny or okay when you do it to everybody else. Well, I don't give a shit. As long as it didn't say it to me, I don't care. Well, it's either wrong or it's not. Okay. So you know when somebody's being egocentric as well, or you're being egocentric, because it's always me-oriented. Okay. Anyway, my sense of self-protection is because of my value to other people. Because, again, ultimately, I could live anywhere in the world. I could live in the forest be perfectly fucking happy but i wouldn't be fulfilling what i think my life purpose is which is to help elevate others out of that shit okay anyway what else we have james we need to wrap this up yeah chris's uh one from earlier was a possible offset topic for kudin off of this episode to be about or dive into self-value 
or if there's a previous kudan about the phone about that, could you post the episode number? Yeah. Are we talking about developing self value or recognizing self value, expressing self value? Because I could walk around the mandala. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing, and this is what I'm going to point to is a feeling or sense of wholeness in your life. Okay. You want to have areas or realms of your life active and in balance. So, James, we will need to find the kuden where um, I had everybody have coins or draw those five circles. Mm -hmm. And then it had to do with knowledge. What are you learning? Uh, role modeling or, or who are you uh, an inspiration to that kind of thing. Right. Remember that one, that exercise? That's the one I, w I would recommend. So we'll make sure that a link to that gets attached to this uh, this episode. But we'll specifically, and if anybody else wants it, you'll need to send an email to uh, the Warrior C at WarriorConceptsOnline.com, um, and then that way we can just we can get it we can get it set up, or um, we can get it set up with one of those uh, gatekeeper pages that we can just send people to that. They can just enter their name and email, whatever. Sure. Um, that way we know people are interested in certain topics kind of thing. And then that'll be attached to it on the back end. And then people could just, they can get it that way. That would be the easiest thing on us. Um, so yeah, hopefully that's helpful. Uh, and then Chris, if that, if, after you go through that, if that does it for you, great, you can let us know. But if it doesn't, what you're looking for will be more specific then, and then you can let me know where where you need me to aim. Okay? Is that Hopefully that, that works. He just said that he was referring about self-value as a whole. Okay. Mainly yeah. recognizing it. Okay. So that exercise that I learned from a Mikio teacher um, about activating these different realms, right, one part spe specifically speaks to like self value in the lives of others, but this is a this is a sense of wholeness. And the more of these things you have active, the more depth and breadth of experience you'll have with your life. But there will also be this more of more sense of wholeness and then value gets expressed differently in those different realms. Okay? So it's different expressions of value. Okay, because you have a certain value based on what you know that you can share with people, right? You have a different value based on um, who you can help by putting yourself on the back burner. Because, like when I volunteer, I used to volunteer uh, my time to be a bodyguard for certain um, certain people that you know our state department didn't protect when they were here, right? And I didn't get paid for it. I was all on my dime, right? Um, there's other ones that the, the, the value gets expressed differently, okay? But we can only move into those realms and help the, a greater number of people or um, expand our sense of value the more of these realms are active for us. And the closer we can bring them into balance, um, the better, okay? And then that, that just deepens our experience of life and... Um, and uh, broadens our our sense 
I guess, of value without being egoistic. Hopefully that helps. And again, I'm still working on this stuff, so I'm just tossing out the, the things based on lessons learned, experience thus far, but um, yeah, we'll leave it at that. All right, what else we got? Uh, he just said he will look into that episode. Thank you. And Julia just said liked and shared. And cool. Thank you very much. That was it. All right. Well, in that case, um, hopefully I'll see everybody on uh, Whiteboard Wednesday. What am I doing this weekend? Or what am I doing this week? I just updated the thing today. So Whiteboard Wednesday. This week I am. Damn it. <laughs> Got too much stuff open on my screen. Uh, emotion-based defensive response. So what we're going to be doing is looking in, looking at adding the emotional element to your training so that you are more prepared, because skills are skills, but we're more prepared to be um, appropriate to not just what he's throwing at us attack-wise, but to operate um, based on where we are based on the, the emotion and the, the kind of the sense and feel and whatnot, that the entire situation, him, the context of the situation, the environment that I'm in, rule sets that I might be having to, to com, uh, conform to or whatever because of my job or whatever, right? Um, so uh, we're also going to look at, uh, in that context, uh, we'll look at four modes of defense. We're going to look at personality and body types and how they're attracted to certain types of fight styles, right? We're going to talk about how that kind of natural gravitation works in a sports environment, but the problem that we encounter when we're really looking at self-defense, okay? So preferences are one thing um, when it comes to, you know, things being natural, quote-unquote, um, uh, based on natural proclivities, but um, we all know that different people make us feel different ways, different environments, different situations, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there's a physiological thing that happens when we're under this emotional charge, and that actually fires certain muscles. That affects the spinal alignment. That affects balance, movement, all kinds of things, right? So, and it also affects, uh, it also um, speaks to being authentic, right? So, there's no shame in being defensive. There's no shame in what, not wanting to be a part of this freaking situation or problem. There's no shame in needing to hold your ground and shutting this thing down now, right? There's, there's nothing in any of these. The trick is, like, we, we learn skills so we can handle certain types of attacks. But are we learning to match our emotional state to the conditions that are triggering it so that we can affect, we can operate at the top of our game. And that's, that's, that's what we be doing during this Whiteboard Wednesday. So um, if that works for you, great. Uh, if not, then no harm, no foul. Okay. So uh, I'm all good, right? I'm good. You're good. Right? I'll do me, you do you. If they meet in the middle, well, I don't know. I'm married, so we can't do each anyway. So we'll leave that alone. All right, so <laughs> that's it. Uh, anything else, James? 
No, sir. Okay, in that case, I'm going to wrap this up. I'll talk to everybody again next time on Kuden. Get more of Kuden Radio. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting site or join our clan of serious modern warriors at OnlineNinjaAcademy.com.